Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com podcast. Easier said, done. The following podcast may contain discussions supported by science that may be considered dangerous to some listeners and conspiracy theorists. Discretion is advised. The Three Down Greencast is brought to you by the Pile of Bones Brewing Company. Home delivery available in Regina at sassbeardelivery.ca. Welcome to the Three Down Greencast. You are listening to the internet's only Sergio Castillo <laughs> podcast. I'm Joel Gasson with John Fraser, as always. And yes, of course, we will talk about our boy in a little yes! bit. Yes! Great but debut! But before we get to all that, um, I know that I'm before the woke mob right now, staring <laughs> down the barrel of cancel culture. So I have some things I want to get off my chest. Did, did you take your horse dewormer before you're starting this, Joel? No. <laughs> Good. Number one, a hot dog is a sandwich. It's a taco. Number two, mustard is the preferred condiment of hot dogs. You know, it's funny, Kay. I was thinking of you last night. That go on. (laughs) Well, (laughs) and hot dogs, yes. (laughs) As sexy as that is. Uh, We had a a hot dog uh, roast over the fire at uh, the mother and father-in-law's last night, and... uh, I was I was you know out to get my toppings and there was there was like cheese whiz and relish and ketchup and everything and my mother-in-law had fried up sauerkraut with onions and gave mustard and I'm like if I don't have this Joel won't speak to me again so I was thinking about of you <laughs> while dressing my hot dogs last night That's that's pretty good yeah You you done good <laughs> Thanks buddy thanks For once you done good <laughs> But number 3 and this is actually probably the thing the woke mob sometimes gets upset about. Yes. Is that the CFL, and I wrote the piece, and we've talked about it on this podcast a lot, still has an entertainment problem. And yes, we're not going to get into two. We're not going to you know spend the whole entire episode on this like we have in the past. But um, it's just interesting because it was last week Cody Fajardo was talking because I guess he got asked about sort of the quality of the games. Mm-hmm. And he was talking about how, you know, his, you know, people in the States that he knows loves it. I'm like, obviously there's some bias there because they know you and they're watching you play and that's fun. Right. Um, it's fair. 
And, you know, he took it in a way where he answered it and said, well, I think, you know, the rules are good and the talent is good. And I would tell you, I completely agree with that. Yes. It's we've gotten into this discussion before that there are other issues around the game as to why it is struggling right now. And, you know, I think we've seen through U Sports and the CJFL that it is not fundamentally the Canadian game that is broken. It is just the CFL. Well, and it's not even the matter of the year off, because that's the number one thing that I think people respond with. Well, these guys had a year off and so on and so forth. And I can tell you, I have definitely started paying more attention. Like, I used to be the guy that there was a random CFL game on. I watched that over everything. Um, Largely, I mean, I partially blame you and Plaster for this, but I've started switching to NCAA a little bit more. But I also rediscovered the joy that is U Sports Football and the CJFL over the weekend. Uh, Saturday at work, not very busy. Don't tell my bosses, but I watched a majority of the Saskatchewan-Calgary regular season finale, thanks to Dan Plaster's password. Again, thanks, Plaster. Um, And that game had four or five lead changes before half. The Huskies pulled away late. Calgary made it close again, and that was excellent. Those are two teams that didn't play at all last year. They didn't practice. They didn't have anywhere to go because, I mean, their students are basically all sitting at home on the couch, you know, just hanging out. I mean, these guys were staying in shape and everything like that. And then the crown jewel of the weekend, if you will, I took Max. I made it to the second half of the Hilltops and Edmonton Huskies uh, PFC semifinal. And let me tell you, Joel. That might have been one of the most entertaining football games I've ever been to live. And I've been to the Vanier, that crazy Vanier Cup in Vancouver. We're talking the Husky, the Hilltops came from behind. The Huskies scored late. Hilltops executed a two-minute drill. So, like, yeah, I'm not buying anybody that says these guys had a year off, right? So, yeah. we, you know, we bought it a few weeks into the season, the first few right. weeks, maybe even the first half. But at this point in the year... We should be seeing more of the Winnipeg Montreals that we saw than not. Yeah, which which that uh, all kudos aside, like that was the first game that I I found this year that and I mean again as a Bomber fan I knew it was totally irrelevant but it was the first game that like it was close it was back and forth it was entertaining you didn't know what the outcome was going to be and I think that's been the problem with the CFL uh, so much so I encourage our listeners and our our fellow football fans in Saskatchewan especially. And in Manitoba, like, don't subject yourself to shitty football. Because <laughs> by far and wide, the CFL has been some pretty shitty football this year. Go out. If you're in Saskatchewan, if you're in Saskatoon, the Hardy Cup semifinal, UBC visits Saskatoon 1 o'clock Saturday. Go check that one out. I'll be having a birthday celebration for my little guys, so I can't quite make it myself. Sunday, if you're in Regina, PFC final. Hilltops Thunder. That's going to be a slobber knocker. Those two teams hate each other. Go And the go Thunder have been the best team in the conference all year, so it's going to be a and big matchup for them. And the Hilltops are the six-time defending Canadian champions. Yeah, so this is sort of their, you know, this is sort of sort of the, the hill they have to get over, so to speak, to, uh, <laughs> to get, you know, to kind of reach the point where they've been building towards for, you know, basically their entire existence, so. Right, and, and, and the Thunder, I mean... It's at New Mosaic Stadium. You're not going to some, like, shitty half-done, you're sitting on a cold bench. I mean, thankfully in Saskatchewan, we're blessed the fact no. that 
Like nor- normally they play at Libel and that's just a wonderful facility for them. It's perfect for junior football in this country. Well, well that's what I mean. You've got you've yeah. got SMF, you've got Griffiths, you've got Libel, you've got New Mosaic. It's great here in Saskatoon. So I highly encourage everybody, go on out. Don't subject yourself to some crappy football. And if you're in Manitoba, the other Hardy Cup semifinal, four o'clock on Saturday. I know we have a few Manitoba listeners. Go check that out. Don't let yourself it's like how we always preach to not drink shitty beer. Don't just accept shitty football because it's easy. It's on your couch. Go watch cheering your local teams. I know I'm going to be stealing my children's iPad on Saturday a whole bunch and tuning into these games as much as I can. And actually, another another game that, that should be good. I was looking at the rosters today. A little self-promotion. Uh, 6A Provincial High School Football Championship at SMF Field uh, Saturday at 1 o'clock. Uh, I'll have the call. I don't know where the hell we're streaming. I don't know where it's going to be. But I was yeah, doing re- real, real, real great self-promotion here on this one. I'm Somebody's... broadcasting a game somewhere. Where? I don't have a clue. I don't Watch know it. where it's going to be. <laughs> I, I, I know I'm working for Sastel Max. I don't know if it's going to be live anywhere. The great guys at Bamboo Shoots I've done a lot of work with. But, uh, I, yeah, I don't know where it's being broadcast, but somebody's paying me to be there. And it is my first football game I will have called in three years, and I'm very much looking forward to it. So you're going to be rusty is what you're saying. Well, I'm going to be fucking terrible. <laughs> I know I'm going to be terrible, but hey, I'm doing prep work. Just more than I do for this podcast. No, the prep work I do for this podcast is shit. I'm out of beer. I need to stop on the way home to get some beer. So but I, I, do, I'm doing I know more than that. That's not entirely true. You did do two bits of prep for this episode today. Number one, you got the schedules open, so you got the correct dates of when this weekend's games are. That's true. Yes, and I number do right two, now. Yep. Even though I know you know them by heart, you do have Sergio's stats available, too. <laughs> it's funny. I needed to make sure I knew them all by heart because I was so – I had, like, one of those moments in life, Joel, mm-hmm. where you're, like, sitting and you're, like, life might be perfect. When Sergio sealed that game, I was in the hot tub at my in-laws, TV on the deck, watching Sergio put it center cut to put away a win for my Bombers. Like, ugh. Mm, mwah. The only thing would have been better if I wasn't drinking shitty beer. I was, full disclosure, drinking shitty beer. I'm sorry. Ah, it happens from time to time with you, I guess. Yeah, it does. It's it. I. It's, you know, it's 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 cold, mm-hmm. and I didn't pay for it. So deep at my core, despite being relatively successful in what I do, I'm still a broke radio guy that likes free stuff. Yeah, that's fair. As I put away a good beer here. So yeah, we are going to talk about uh, the Riders' latest win. Uh, they are on the basically on the doorstep of clinching a home playoff game. Uh, but I would say not all is well in Saskatchewan right now. Certainly uh, still a fair bit of angst over this team based on uh, the way that game has gone, just like every other so far this season. Yes. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, Edmonton in that game and a decision they made that uh, caught a lot of people by surprise, but I actually said it before they decided to do it, that they should go for two and did. And uh, yeah, we'll of course have our weekly update as always yes but as usual before we get into all that today especially since we know john's not drinking shitty beer for the pile of bones brewing company john what's in the glass this week in the glass is from our friends and sponsors of the pile of bones brewing company the face melter dry hopped sour uh it is exactly what it says uh i have now come around on sour beers 
it's tasty, delightful. Uh, yeah, uh, as a guy that loves vodka lemon, it's actually mm. kind of a similar taste to that. And at only four and a half percent, you can uh, yep. you can enjoy a couple. But yeah, really good, nice and dry, crisp, clean, like everything made by Pile of Bones. It is delicious the second it tastes it hits your tongue. Uh, I literally went into the liquor store today, saying to myself, I walk into the the walk-in cooler, going, okay. What do I want today? And I just let my gut take me, and it took me to the face melter, um, which, again, great name, great design with the whole spooky melted faces on it. Max describes it as the spooky beer because it's, like, green, and there's, like, what looks like ghosts on it or zombies. So uh, I highly recommend giving it a try if you like uh, if you like sour beers. If you don't like sour beers, you're going to hate it. But if you do, that's, you're yeah. going to love it. That's fair. Um, From what I've been told, there is a new batch of it coming, and it's supposed to he- – Nathan is hopeful that it's going to be even more sour. Mm. I would enjoy that as a man yeah. that enjoys sour things. Absolutely. Uh, for me, I am at the, basically the opposite end of the spectrum entirely from a face-melting sour beer. Uh, I have the other seasonal that was just recently released from the Pile of Bowens Brewing Company, the Scotch Ale. Ooh, yes! So it's dark, it's malty, it's rich, uh, got some kind of caramel notes. Uh, so it, it kind of comes darker, but it's not actually like brewed with darker sort of ingredients to make it that way. Uh, it just kind of caramelizes in the kettle a little bit because it uh, brews for a little longer, letting it get to that color. Uh, no actual scotch in the beer. It's just a style, though um, you do find it time to time. I know they had a cask a couple weeks ago with some scotch in it. And I know I think uh, mm. Bushwhacker has done that as well with their scotch ale from time to time. It has a nice little sort of smokiness and such to it. So, so it's done. So, so do they add like actual scotch, or is it just like the scotch barrel it's aged in, or how do they do that? Well, when when they actually add scotch to it, like there's like scotch in it with it. Interesting. Yeah, because I mean, if it's a cask, you're not generally going to barrel age a cask. But it no, is something, that's fair. It is something that can be done. I mean, I'm sure you could barrel age it. I've seen on, I've seen on uh, Twitter and on the social medias that um, the. Rebellion Brewing Company is currently barrel aging something, but I'm not sure what it is. But I'm looking forward to whatever it is because that whatever it is will be delightful. Because barrel aged beers are um, always quite delicious, unless they're the Wayne Gretzky one, because that stuff is terrible. I mean, I I wonder if it was actually really barrel aged or not. Um, (laughs) and for how long, and you know the whole thing. So I think it might have like glanced at a barrel because it's just got this no. That or they just added like Minha's whiskey to it or something because it's just it's it's just not good. It is not whiskey nor beer. It is not something you should ever try because I did it for you. You're welcome. It was terrible. Stay away from the Wayne Gretzky rye ale. Yeah, I, I haven't really heard great things about their beers. Most of their beers are sort of just average, whatever yeah. kind of beers. So. Which is funny because the wine is actually decent. I'll give them credit. Wayne Gretzky wines are pretty okay. The beers, shit, total shit. Maybe it's because you actually, like, understand beer a little better than you do wine. <laughs> uh, that's probably how I'd feel about it. Like, I've tried some wines that people don't like, and I'm like, I don't know, it tastes like wine. It's fine. That You know what, though? No, that, that is exactly it, right? I, I don't feel like I could be both, like, a wine snob and a beer snob, or I would just be way too insufferable to drink with. And mm-hmm. last time I checked, people still occasionally drink with me from time to time. So, despite my occasional snobbery. Mm-hmm. Probably would have had to do some drinking on uh, Friday night Ooh. to get through um, that Ryder game. Yeah, that was a uh, that was a woof. That was uh, I, I I was doing drinking trying to get through it because it was just 
it it was one of those shitty games we alluded to just mistakes everywhere penalties incompletions like it just it was not an entertaining football game by any stretch of the imagination no it it lacked a lot and and i mean it's just kind of how the theme of the year has gone especially i think for the riders um and it leads to the question again of sort of where the confidence level is at with this team heading into the playoffs. We know they're going to be yes. in the West semifinal. It's looking like they're probably going to host the West semifinal. And so the point becomes now, okay, is this team at a point where you believe they can win three playoff games in a row? And I mean, I'm not saying they can't do it. They are certainly, I think the way they play is not the most entertaining to watch. And that's really neither here nor there for them, I guess, because all they really mm-hmm. care about is winning, which is fair. But, right. and they, and when we talk about this, they don't have to have the league's greatest offense to pull this off. No. I think they just need a little bit more out of that unit. And they know that. I'm sure they know that at the end of the day, despite everything they sort of say publicly about what's going on right now. Right. And, if they can just get that one or two more touchdowns a game than they're getting right now, I think it would firmly sort of put them in the conversation with the Bombers as a team that can come out of the West. Yes, and I think the comparison, as you and I were texting before the show, um, this is very much, as the season's gone on, this has looked more and more like the Chris Jones team, that the defense has to show up or this team is doomed. Mm -hmm. And I said, as, as, as much as Cody Fajardo doesn't make a lot of mistakes, he is a capable quarterback. He's an above average starting quarterback in this league. Um, the, th- the difference between some of the Jones teams and even the, like that, that one that almost made the great cup out of the East should have made the great cup, quite frankly, absolutely. That, I agree that game with... went, they should have beat, they should have beat Toronto in that game. So. Exactly. Now, the thing is, is Kevin Glenn always had the big playability, and it just seems like that is exactly what this offense lacks. Like, mm-hmm. if the defense, if there's a blown assignment and they're down two touchdowns at any point to anybody, I don't know if they're coming back. And you're going to need to do that, especially, and this is a great stat dug up by uh, Greg from the Piffles podcast. I promised him I was going to steal this stat, and I also promised him I would give him credit, though. Just like he gets the credit for the Sergio shirts if the Bombers take, you know, my uh, my deal I've offered them. We'll get to that in the Sergio update. But um, the Riders, against everybody that's not Calgary and Winnipeg, 19-0 yeah. since since Cody's first game as a starting quarterback, which was a, a loss at Ottawa, a game that they also should have won. But mm-hmm. So against everybody that's not the two teams you have to get through, they're 19 and 0. I guess the two teams you got to get through since Cody came in, they have three wins. Yeah. Which is not good when you have to win against those two teams. So I don't know if maybe this team plays down to other teams or like it's just it's such a weird stat because I watched this football team and the deja vu and you alluded to it the ground dead okay. hog day finishes. Yeah, so I'm going to bust out something here that you will be quite okay. familiar with. With okay. that stat where they've only won three games against the two teams they're going to have to beat to the Grey Cup. Yes. Is it a super stat or a meaningless number? Um, Friends of the ahead. show would know that that's, of course, from Tim and Sid slash Tim and Friends. I don't know if he still does it or not. but Yeah, I think he does. Um, I would say it's a super stat. And the reason I would say it's a super stat is it is proof that this team is good. This team is very good. Like Cody Fajardo, this team is very good to above, above average to very good on any given week. Uh-huh. 
Calgary and Winnipeg in the past two years have been very good to great consistently. Yeah. Yes, they've had their stumbles. Yes, there's teams that, you know, maybe it's a matchup thing, but to me, it's it's a super stat because it proves that this team can win the games they're supposed to win with Cody and 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 all the rest of the pieces. But it proves that this this team cannot win the games that maybe they're not supposed to win. You know, they can't get that extra play. They can't get that boot on the throat moment. They just they, there's just something lacking from this team to take them from, you know, some nights they're average. Against Edmonton, they were average, they got away with it, right? Yeah. Some nights they're they're very good. That last win against Calgary, they played like a very good football team. That win mm-hmm. against BC, they've played like a very good football team. But I think it's a super stat because in the past two seasons, you've had Winnipeg and you've had Calgary kind of ahead of everybody else. Calgary a little bit less so this year, obviously. And the Riders just haven't been able to step it up and figure out a way to overcome those teams. What do you think? Superstat or meaningless number? It's hard to say. Like I I think with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, it's a superstat. Um, I think there's obviously matchup issues there. Yeah. Um, there is like because this goes back a little bit and this is something and of course they're just that good this year oh yeah they're, they're ridiculously good <clears throat> this year i think overall the riders have played better than calgary in the three games they played Interesting. i think i think if you'd look at sort of the sort of the, the stretch of the games and take out other than maybe the middle game but the first game and the third game for sure i thought after the first game the riders were the better team in that game mm-hmm. for at least 45 minutes, maybe 50 minutes. And then if you look in, I think the third game, it kind of followed that same script where they, they started a little slow, they got their bearings, and they just kind of took over the game where it seems this year Calgary, at least against the Riders, has that early punch, but they don't have the adjustment to it after while the Riders sort of start a little slower. They take the early punch and whether it's they can recover or not. And I think they've proven that they can recover to varying degrees against Calgary. Mm-hmm. And I think winning that last one was very important. They've proven that, that they can get off the mat and win the game. Yes. So I think push comes to shove. If they get to the West semifinal, I think they can beat Calgary. Yes. And not if they can. When they get to the West semifinal against Calgary, I think they can beat them. Whether they do or not, we'll have to wait and see. But I think they can. Right. Uh, the thing... Winnipeg, Winnipeg is a whole other discussion. And yeah. I mean the way I think they could beat Winnipeg is because of the whole Winnipeg hasn't played a meaningful game in a month thing. By the right. time we get to that, and that could be a thing, it's right. going to be tough. I, I and, I th- yes. and I think there are huge matchup issues with them. Once that defensive line gets going against the rider offensive line, it's tough. And they haven't really proven anything against Winnipeg in any sort of degree, like you saw yeah. against them against Calgary this year. So right. I would have serious question marks there. So... Could they? I mean, maybe in a you know in a one game playoff, anything can happen. That's kind of the the fun part of it, right? But... Right. It's not it's not a seven game series. You're absolutely right. Um, the thing the thing I wonder, and as I watch the Riders get more and more boring this year, mm-hmm. and seemingly their offense regressing. Well, the, yeah, the offense basically peaked in the first quarter of the first game yeah yeah which is <laughs> not what you want <laughs> <laughs> right but i just mean it seems like as the season's gone on they've gotten worse which is not something you'd expect no i almost wonder if jason moss 
especially since once they clinch the playoff spot, like they've just gone so friggin' vanilla and so uninspiring. You wonder, is he just that paranoid about putting something on film that could beat Calgary, that could beat Winnipeg? Because, like... I don't know. I mean, I, I, think, I, I, I think especially... Like, and I think in terms of Calgary especially, they've played each other three times. They know what they know what each other is doing at this point. Right, but only one of those... Like, it was only really the middle game and the end game and the third game really for the Riders that anybody brought out kind of anything differently. Like, I just... I, I, I just... I keep holding on hope that maybe the writers are something different than what they appear to be because of what they've shown flashes of. But at some point, like you got to complete a deep ball. Like, well, and they, and they, they did, they did get the one that Duke Williams against Edmonton. They did what you never see, which is fantastic. And then, you know, Duke Williams was nicked up in practice or whatever, but <laughs> uh, yeah, I just, the one, the one, the one thing that we can say about this, and I think the way they play and sort of their style of play, you know that those playoff games are likely going to be close. They're going to be yes. in them. They're going to be a tough out no matter what happens. This isn't going to be a scenario where they're going to get the doors blown off them because the offense played poorly one day. It's more than likely, no, the defense is going to, at the very least, you know that you're going to have a shot at this game likely at the end because of the way you play football. Right, right. Unless it's against Winnipeg, because it's just matchup hell for them against Winnipeg. Yeah, I mean it can be. I, I, I think in a playoff game, you, you you're obviously going to try different things and you're going to push the limits a little bit. So yeah. I I wouldn't expect if they play Winnipeg in the West Final, if they get to the West Final and play Winnipeg, I guess I should say, I wouldn't anticipate a blowout in that game. No, and, and, and you never, especially when it's that cold, you just, you yeah. really don't see, like, it's not going to be ideal high-scoring football weather. You are no. going to see grinded out and offense and things like that. So it just, I don't know. I just, I see this team as, as this past two seasons, as, as, as you said, is it's, they're an above average to very good team. And I think that's what they kind of are. They're mm-hmm. a bit of a bridesmaid. And unless they show me something, in the last few weeks to make me think that maybe that's not the case. I That'll be my opinion of them heading into the playoffs and moving forward. Yeah, and I mean, and that's entirely fair too. One team we know that is not going to the playoffs is, of course, the Edmonton Elks. Yes. And, I mean, we're not going to get into what's happened there, what may or may not happen there. And I think there's lots of questions about Jamie Elizondo as a coach, and they're entirely valid and fair. Right. But I do want to give him some kudos for something, even if he almost undid it and did the wrong thing. Because this yes. was a bit of a conversation during the game when Edmonton scored late because the Riders again did that thing where they unintentionally made games interesting that didn't have to be. Um, right. Again, it was a boring game until they shot themselves in the foot. Yeah, exactly. As they as they tend to, as they have tended to do the last few weeks, once uh, once it looks like they're in control, they've tend to make things interesting at the end, just like my Steelers always do. And <laughs> so they scored the touchdown late and all of a sudden the, they were within four. The Elks are within four. Yeah. And so the question became, well, do you go for two or one? And for most people it's an automatic, well, you know, you just go for one and you make it a field goal game. And traditionally, yeah, you would think that. And that's what most teams would do. And then I re- you know, I saw like, as soon as Jamie Elizondo, and I don't know if he actually meant to go do it or not, but he, he goes out there 
He sends the two-point unit out there, and instantly Dustin Nielsen, Glenn Suter, and everyone on Twitter is like, what are you doing? But if you go right. back in my if you go back in my Twitter timeline, before the decision was shown on TV, I'm like, okay, Edmonton, go for two, because then you can you can get you the can field goal. You can goal. win with a field goal now. Yes. Because, and this isn't an analytics discussion, this is a playing-to-win discussion. Yes. Because ultimately, as we all, as we know, unless you're the Riders, who for some reason were able to recover like three of them in a row in one game. <laughs> Which again, leads to your Groundhog Day theory. <laughs> Recovering onside kicks is probably the lowest percentage play in all of football. I other would than, agree. Other yeah. than maybe the end zone fade. So, <laughs> yes, which teams, which offensive coordinators refuse to stop calling for some reason. Which I will never understand. Yeah. So, with that in mind, why would you play essentially for overtime in that scenario? When you know, okay, if I actually do recover this football, I really want to give myself a good chance to win this football game. Well, and especially... So, you know what? I'm going to go for two. And even if I don't get it, well, then I need a touchdown. And you know what? We're in last place. We're not making the playoffs anyway, so who cares? Let's play to win this damn football game. Well, the thing is, if you're recovering the onside kick, it's it's generally instant field position. Like, you're usually a first down or two away from field goal range, right? And, yeah, and, and, in, and in the CFL, you only need to get to about the 50 for, like, a long field goal range. Well, that's it, right? And with Sean White as your kicker, you're probably banking that he's going to make it. So, yeah. I was with you. Like, I love the fact, and and maybe this is part of my frustration with the CFL this year, is watching how going for it on fourth down in the NFL is becoming less and less taboo. No, like, it's it's not even a discussion on the broadcast. when the, It would be, like, fourth and inches, fourth and one, and there isn't, right. uh, oh, oh, should they, shouldn't they, this is a big gamble, blah, blah, blah. It's, it's just accepted as, you go for it now. Right, right, and 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 basically, as soon as teams are crossing the fifty down there, they're going for it. College football, they're always going for it, right? So, yeah. I love the gutsiness of the call because, like you said, you're a field and, goal and, away from yeah. And from in winning. fairness, I mean, CFL teams have been going for it on third and one since forever. Yeah, it, it, no, you're exact. You're exactly right. So it's funny though for them to get so conservative around the goal line. So yeah. again, if you're Maybe if the tables are turned and you you know that a win punches your ticket to the playoffs, okay, maybe you play it safe. But again, like you said, they they haven't won. They haven't they've had a terrible season. You you you're shut out at home for the first time in forever. For like literally, it's never happened to them before. Yeah, literally. <laughs> How do you not like? I love the call to go for the win and then like to go for the two point and then to watch him like try to back out of it and basically Andre Peru go <laughs> no that's against the rules screw you I was a big Andre Peru fan saved right from the wrong decision basically well that's exactly it and and, and I I like it I like gutsy calls maybe not, the, I maybe like... not the wrong decision but the preferred decision in my mind right I liked it I like going for the win I like gutsy calls all that kind of stuff is the stuff that football needs more of because realistically that might have been the highlight of that game and I hate to say it so it was one of two highlights in the game for me. Mm-hmm. The other... I mean, I guess there's three. I guess that Duke Williams catch was a bit of a... That was pretty well. okay. And and it made us think that there might be potential for them to do good stuff. Mm-hmm. It opened the door for potentially. It was a nice play. All of that. And I guess another sort of weird highlight is the fact that Duke Williams has now recovered an onside punt in his first three games. <laughs> Which is... And every single one... Looks the same. Yeah. 
Like, like I, I text They're getting progressively Duke. easier even. There was, like, no one within, no, like, no. 10 yards Duke, of him on that one. Duke Williams sitting there to catch an onside kick. That's why, like, I texted you and, like, kind of kidding, but also, like, kind of serious. Is he now their nod for special teams player of the, like, of the year? Like, those oh. are three big catches to put games away. And, I mean, Lowther's been great again. Almost mm-hmm. boring how great he's been. But do you not, like... As a as a guy that loves chaos, I would almost vote for Duke Williams as most outstanding special teams player for the Riders. I mean, Lauda's probably going to win in a landslide, so I mean, it, it wouldn't it would be funny to throw a vote his way if I had one. Yes. Oh, how how good would it be? Just explain, <laughs> like, listen, you get somebody back there that doesn't catch all three of those balls clean. Those could have been three losses, and then the team is really in shit. Mm-hmm. The other guy who maybe you could throw a special teams vote right now if you wanted. Oh, yes, absolutely. I would right and now. And this was probably the play of the game. And I don't mean this in a, this was a bad, like, if this was even a good game, this could have been the play of the game was a punt from Kerry Vedvik. That, and, the and, one and, that hey. he bombed 75 yards, got the right bounce, and it hooked right out of bounds at, like, the five. Oh, just outstanding stuff. And, and The wind we... was taking out the sails a little bit that Edmonton came right back and kind of drove down a little bit. It's, it's unfortunate they didn't take advantage of the field position, but... That punt was just the only punt better was then the, uh, the only better punts we've seen this year are, have been from the San Diego State punter who bombed right, a ninety-one yard in the air in Hawaii, yards. which which apparently <laughs> Vedvik did in Norway. You were telling me, yeah, three donations. Uh, J.C. Abbott, our sort of global expert, said that I think he had like a ninety-two yarder or something in uh, when he's playing in Norway. Like I don't care what kind of wind you got at your back. I don't care what kind of like what like. I don't care that you're doing it in Norway. A 92-yard punt is a 92-yard punt. Like, mm-hmm. that's that's huge. And as much as, like, John Ryan used to be that guy, this is like John Ryan when he first broke into the league. Like, that's, that's yeah. to me, that could be the kind of thing that changes the playoff game. Yeah. If you've got the Norwegian nightmare just bombing punts and changing field positions. Um, so he's got a big leg. He came from, uh, you know, a slightly obscure place. And he's got a great name to say. So we might now have our punter <laughs> on our all, like, bro crush special teams, like, team. Obviously, Sergio is the kicker. Mm-hmm. The punter might be Kerry Vedvik. Because that's just, that's, that's, that's just fun. Like, it's entirely possible. And the thing about the punt, too, wasn't just the distance. It was the great placement of it as well. Oh, Which yeah. I think everyone would, you know, he's gotten a little better at it this year but would agree that that's sort of been John Ryan's flaws. He's kind of been stuck in the NFL mode where you just kind of bomb it as far as you can. That's that's fair. You don't try to angle it towards the sidelines. And, and I mean, he was getting better, and now yep. he's out for the year, which allows the era of the Vedvik, the Norwegian nightmare, the Norwegian nomad, the Norwegian nice guy. I'm assuming he's a nice guy. <laughs> the Norwegian nerd of kicking. Um, Yeah. I'm on Team Vedvik. I'm very much on Team Vedvik. We also know that you're, of course, on Team Sergio. Yes. The Castillo. shirts, the jersey I've ordered. You know what, Joel? The, the most torturous thing, mm-hmm. the customer service at the Blue Bomber store is fantastic. Top notch. I cannot say enough good things about it. But I'm every day that goes by that every single email I get and between my 
still attach media account and all the Domino's pizza and family pizza and A and W and Dairy Queen and McDonald's ads I get in my normal email. My heart skips a little because I'm waiting to hear from the bomber store that my Saggio jersey has shipped. So I'm still waiting on it. I cannot wait to get it. I will probably wear it to bed. I will be that excited. But yes, we need to talk about our boy, one and only Sergio Castillo, who, yes, as I alluded to, just, just, it's just as a Blue Bomber fan, mm-hmm. just seeing him out there brings me such peace where before the kicking game was again like watching high school football or, or, or NCAA football where you're not really sure what you're getting but to see Sergio go three for four with a long of 47 and I think we give him credit for one other 47 yarder for there was a procedure penalty that kicked that pushed it back and mm. I got angry at Winnipeg head coach Michael Shea for not going for the 52 yarder mm. but you could just see Sergio in his calm Sergio way walk up and just boot the piss out of the ball right through the upright. So a beautiful debut for Sergio. Now he did miss one, but we will give him a mulligan for basically not playing for the last year and a bit. Yeah. Dude took last dude was in the NFL, took the year off because he didn't want to expose himself to COVID, which is something we can respect. Mm -hmm. And yeah, he missed from 38. It's okay. It's, it's, this is That's the beauty of the, the Bomber games being meaningless along the way. Our boy Sergio, which is also funny, the group chat blew up when he finally missed a kick because uh, it <laughs> happened so rarely. Uh, he, but again, like he just like that's the kind of kick that Winnipeg wasn't making was the kick that Sergio made to put it away. Mm-hmm. That three points made it a, a two-score game, and he just walked up there cool as ice and right down the middle for the side. I can't wait till that jersey gets here. I'm so excited. Yeah, I mean, I think you can just you can just see the difference in the kicks. Yes. Like there 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 isn't like the as you're watching it like it's very it's very confident that it's like okay, this is this is either going in or it's not. Like there's no there's no weirdness to it. Like it's well, a, that's it's it. a straight like it. it's a kick, you know. He's, all kickers miss every once in a while, but you know what you're watching. Well, and, 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 and that's it. It's it's like watching, you know, with the riders, watching Brett Lowther, that you know it's it's going to be a well-struck ball. It's going to be center cut. You know, maybe it's rushed. Maybe there's a gust of wind. But it's just, like, again, this is why, this is my bro crush on Sergio dates back to the last time he bailed Winnipeg kicking out before they signed Justin Medlock. And I believe on that old podcast I was on, I was disappointed that they signed Justin Medlock <laughs> because Sergio was so good. But he's back now, and that... all is right with the world, and hopefully my jersey's in the mail this week. As much as we like Sergio, that definitely was a, a John Fraser take. <laughs> <laughs> I was! I I'm, I'm swear, like, if you could find the audio, I, I think my point wasn't, I wasn't mad that they signed Justin Medlock. My point was that Sergio was so good in his limited time with Winnipeg, and he would go on to reaffirm this with Hamilton, BC, and the New York Jets, that that money that they signed, that they spent on Medlock, could have been spent elsewhere because Sergio wouldn't have been as expensive as Medlock, and Sergio was outstanding. Guy was an all star. Yeah, I mean, it's, it, it's not, it wasn't wrong thinking at the time, but I mean. I, I, I think I think the Medlock signing proved to be the right one eventually. Probably pretty quick, actually. But only because Sergio's back for this year's Grey Cup run. 
mm-hmm. and the Bombers better send me a jersey. Well, it's coming, isn't it? I, I I also love the fact that they remembered and they tweeted you his number. Oh, 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 and and did you see when they went up thirty-one twenty-one? What they tweeted? I did. Yes, I believe you sent it to me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was so excited. I'm like, the weird thing is they don't follow me, so yeah. I'm thinking to myself, I'm like. Maybe I've just harassed them enough that they're starting to see this, but to see the bombers when they go up thirty-one twenty-one and see a Sergio, I'm like, yes, yeah, my they, influence they, has landed with somebody. They did need a few more S's on those tweets, but yes, five S's. That's how you started because I had to count the S's on the shirt that Greg from Piffles designed for us because uh, I needed it to match the jersey. Hey, Jacques Cartier, show's over. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.